my biggest transition was that you ain't had nobody on the team that sucked. And that's that's hard to believe. But you ain't have nobody. Any college you go to right now, you ain't got nobody on that team that just sucked. Right. Because they're only letting the best of the best on the team. That's right. And as you go higher, you know, the best of the best of the best go to the NFL. Mm-hmm. But, man, we had guys that didn't play a down in college football at USA. Turn around, run a 435, 44, 440. And you're mm-hmm. like, God, bro, like, why didn't you play? Well, there's so much competition at that level. And that yeah. was the real change is the competition is so different. Everybody's on the same level. What is going on, guys? Dr. Jared Nelson in this house, the podcast, The Better Man, where you can never be perfect, but you can always be better today we have a very special guest with us today my man david webb what's going on dude what's up man how you been yeah but uh, i haven't seen you a little bit i've been some time how huh? you been grinding oh, i know you yeah, have trying to yeah, you know? that's good that's good uh glad to have you in here gonna cover a lot of stuff you got business you got a uh, sports background played college ball got a lot of stuff to discuss looking forward to it man yeah so i start with this start everybody with this you're in the gym you're chilling and somebody sees you and they're like nah I know you from where do I know you from, dude? What would you say to him, man? I'll probably say you probably know me from my energy. Cause that's where a lot of people do know me from because I'm just so up all the time, uppity, energetic. And when you see me out in public, I'm just probably doing something random with a lot of energy. Yeah. And that's where a lot of people remember me from. Just high energy. Yeah, high energy, a lot of fitness stuff. Yeah. See in the gym, man, always getting it. That's awesome. So I want to talk about this. We'll start with your business type stuff. Obi-Wan Productions. Now, I just said off camera, no Star Wars reference, right? So (laughs) kind of tell me, what is Obi-Wan Productions, uh, the business that you got going on? uh, Where did it start? What's the name about and all that? Okay, so Obi-Wan, it actually did not come from Star Wars. Yeah. (laughs) It came from, it's a Nigerian. So it came from an Igbo tribe in Nigeria. And Obi-Wan actually means one heart. So that was my slogan. That's always kind of been my slogan coming up, going from sports and stuff like that. You always was like one heart, one family, one team. So I wanted to kind of bring something in to when I get to the point of, you know, hiring people, I don't want to see them as employees. It's a team. It's a family. So that's why I came up with one heart and I kind of dug into the meaning of one heart. And that's where I ran across the Igbo tribe. And so that kind of said it, especially me being African-American. Mm-hmm. So it kind of just took me back to my roots. And I can really say it was like it was God given. Like God just gave it to me. Mm-hmm. You know, George Lucas did Star Wars. I don't know if you're, you've watched <laughs> Star Wars, but Obi-Wan is like the main character. I wonder if he did some research, man. And has that because he's like, a, you know, he always is like the compassionate one. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Obi-Wan is uh, that's very interesting. Take yeah. there. That's pretty cool. So Obi-Wan Productions, the business, what is it? Kind of explain to somebody that doesn't know what it is. Okay. What is the business? Yeah. So Obi-Wan Production is, is a production company, a video production company. And we're actually looking into this year adding marketing. So it'll be a video production and marketing company. And what we do is obviously make videos, but we make videos for businesses to post on their social media. Mm-hmm. So we'll have like media days and we'll get them as much content as we can to supply them with maybe like a month or two of media that they can post. But we also make sure that those videos are compatible enough to run ads to. <clears throat> and then so another part of that business is uh, building for YouTube. So I don't know if you know, but I guess, you know, because you kind of. Oh, yeah. So like 
YouTube is kind of about to be the bigger platform, which it always have, and it never really ran off. It's just other things started to take over, like TikTok and Instagram. Yeah. But I just see the future really coming back to YouTube, especially with them giving fifty five percent of revenue to their. Uh, I don't know if you knew that, but uh, fifty five percent of revenue to their. I don't know how you say that, but to their people, mm-hmm. to their uh, YouTubers. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so fifty five percent to their YouTubers, and that was just really crazy to me because I've never seen that in my life. Mm-hmm. So our biggest plan is to get these companies uh on YouTube, get get them going on YouTube, and helping them make a passive income on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So of that's you awesome, gotta, dude. How how many years have you been doing this? It's actually my first year. Okay, and it's been a crazy ride. Well, there's <laughs> such a need for that. Yeah. I mean, you got a lot of businesses. We had a performance chiropractic. I don't know if you're familiar. Uh-huh. Locally, uh-huh. it's a chiropractic in the area, and they said, uh, you know, our online. That's where we suffer. Like we mm. don't know what to do. We don't know how to market. We're kind of word of mouth website, but we don't have like any you know, tech savvy stuff. So we kind of rely on other people. There's a huge market. You got a lot of business with baby boomers and all that. They don't know anything about technology, man. (laughs) And they're willing to pay the money uh, Mm -hmm. to get it helped out, man. So that's awesome that you're doing that. What kind of started that? Where did you see the need for that? Uh, I know we we just said there is a big need, but did you see, okay, this is an avenue where there's a need and I can make this profitable? Yeah, for sure. But it was kind of later down the road when I figured out that I wanted to go into video, uh, into the video market. Man, I got into the video market because when I was in football and playing at USA, I was always in the film room, always hanging around the film guys, mm. trying to learn what these cameras for, why you do this, why you do that. And it kind of just stuck with me. And as I got done with football and I was trying to find my next place to go, I was like, what can I do? You know, and I do have a degree in exercise science, but I just couldn't see myself being a trainer right now at this time. Mm-hmm. Most people can say or most people would say that's my backup plan. You yeah. Know? <laughs> so, yeah. So I kind of got into that and I discovered it was a need for it. everybody starting to need videos and uh saw that people were doing weddings and not just pictures anymore everybody want motion pictures that's right so that's what really pulled me into that and i just saw that it could be a like a six-figure business and that's kind of what i was shooting for it was like green light yeah it really can you know episode uh i believe four or f- uh, five episode five luke palacious his wife does photography mm-hmm. and he's a fireman works overtime and he's like dude she makes more than me and she she's doing <laughs> photographs and videos and all that there's a there's a real business for it and you see that um going back to what you said about the revenue mm-hmm. right and talking about it, we're getting way ahead on the fitness all that we'll get into all that in a little bit but being a personal trainer it's very top heavy right do they mm-hmm. take a big portion of the the cut. Have you done training before? I have not done training. Yeah, but I know the business model. Mm-hmm. It's like the the company gets yep. a lot of that cut and all it's that. Like, so YouTube kind of giving people fifty five percent. That's a big chunk. Mm-hmm. What huge. have you seen in that uh, from trainers that you talked to? So like, I got a couple of guys in Mobile that do train, and mm-hmm. so the gym only gives them. <laughs> you know, we all know they only get like a certain amount of percentage. I can't exactly remember what the percentage was, but have a buddy that is literally struggling right now. He goes every single day to go train people, but he struggles Yeah, because he just doesn't make enough. Yeah. And you will see trainers making enough, but all those trainers are like training top end people, you know? So when you get in that top end rim, that's when you really start to make money in physical training. But as far as like everyday people, it's tough and Mm -hmm. you're struggling. It is. Well, they just take so much off the top. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I know a lot of people, now, from a marketing perspective, they're like, you make online courses, yes. right? So $100, you buy my program and all that. That's kind of the future. But there's still people that train and grind it out. Mm-hmm. It's still a real thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool stuff, man. 
Um, so what are your goals with the business? I know you kind of want to let it grow. You're kind of the first year starting out and all that. We see that there's the need there. What's your vision for it? All right. So my vision for, for my business, Obi-Wan production is the big, big picture is to get to filmmaking, like Hollywood filmmaking, making movies and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That's my big goal. But as far as like goals for near future, Mm -hmm. um, my biggest goals is to, you know, scale weddings. And I know you cut that out, so I'm gonna go back. No, so my good. biggest plan is to scale scale the weddings, not just the business part and helping other businesses with that, but mm-hmm. scaling the weddings because that's a big ticket item. And just really get my company out there as a brand and not just as a company. Because I do want to brand my company because that's really where you're gonna see people come in. Mm-hmm. And if I can brand my company, I don't know if you see, but this is a company shirt, okay, Obi Wan okay. production shirt. Yeah, always repping it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so, just build build it to the highest platform that I can. You know, sell online and just kind of get my business out to the southeast and maybe move it to the west. Yeah, yeah. The market's there, dude. Uh, and that's the thing. Now, I think for there's a lot of entrepreneurial type people. If you're mm-hmm. willing to work, get your name out there, and people see that you could do good work. Word of mouth is going to spread, man. Yes, it really is. That's good stuff. Um. Well, that's awesome with the business, man. I think we're going to go ahead and get into fitness. Okay. We already talked about fitness a little bit. High energy guy. I want to say this before we get into the to the fitness thing. So you said high energy. Where does that come from? Yeah, I got to come from within because yeah. I'm always like, well, I don't really think it's, a, they call it mental health, but ADHD. So okay. I have ADHD per se. And I'm just always on the go. Ever since I was a kid, I'm just moving, 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 moving. I just can't sit still. So. I just took that to the fitness world and instead of when I was younger, I was actually in the streets and having that much energy in the streets, you can get in a lot of trouble. Yeah. And which I did at the beginning of my life, I was in a whole lot of trouble and it was really just cause I had high energy. I was so curious and I just wanted to figure stuff out. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if it was a rock by me, <laughs> energy told me, man, look, throw that rock. Oh, wow. You know? But it was just cause that energy, I was always wanting to do something. So that energy, I guess just came from, God, for real, mm-hmm. guys, is guys in energy. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah, can't really say it's genetics because like nobody else in my family is just high energy like that. Okay, so. isn't that interesting? Uh, we're all individual. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a genetic component to a lot of people, uh, but we're all individual, man. We all have our own unique uh, abilities and all that. Were you officially diagnosed with ADHD, like as a child? I was. Okay, I was. Okay. And you know, they will prescribe you with. Back then, it was Adderall. They got all kind of stuff now, like oh, Ritalin yeah. and stuff like that. But I took Adderall, Vyvanse, so. yeah. I took Adderall probably all the way up in the eighth grade. And the only reason I stopped taking it in the eighth grade was because I did not sleep five days before the start of school. Wow. Never ate. Which people see me now, and they'd be like, yo, you pretty big. But when I was taking Adderall, like, I would never eat. That was probably, like, 100 pounds soaking wet at yeah. the age of 15, 16. Yeah. It was, yeah, it's very common, you know, it suppresses appetite and all that. Um, so you talked about that with Adderall. What was kind of your experience with the medication and all that? Honestly, I hated it. I was like, you hear other people say it too. I was a zombie. Yeah. Like the only reason it calmed me down is because I did like, once it calmed me down, it's like, I didn't want to do nothing. I didn't want to do schoolwork. I didn't want to go play. I didn't want to do nothing. So it did calm me down, but it calmed me down to the aspect of it just didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. So. Every time I would take it, like that morning I take it, and then I guess like hour later, two hours kick in, 
And like I'm just I'm literally staring at a wall, blank space, like a zombie. Yeah. So it's, I didn't I didn't really like it. I hated it. And I know some people take it to kind of get them going. Mm-hmm. But that's one thing I found out about like Adderall and everything like that is people who have ADHD, it affect them so much differently to the people that don't have it. Yeah. Because I heard people say they take it and get energy. Man, oh, excuse me. Dude, I'm gonna tell you a story. I worked I'm not gonna say where it is. Um, but I worked at a at a, at a medical institution in an emergency setting. That's all I'll say. And I had a lot of conversations with the people and everybody took Adderall. All of them. All the nurses, undiagnosed, but they're just like, man, it gives you, I'm like, why? Like, that's a controlled substance. Now, it was legally prescribed as far as I know and all that, but it was a very, very eye-opening thing. I was younger then, so seeing that, I was like, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was pretty sheltered. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I grew up through a lot of stuff like that, man. It was it, it's pretty eye-opening. Uh, but I heard a lot of people say that about um, ADHD medications. It kind of holds you back. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, Kanye West, he's pretty, he's out there. It, there may be schizophrenia type stuff and all that, but, but I think there's probably an ADHD component there. But his creativity is insane. So imagine if he was suppressed with a lot of those medications, could he be as creative? I doubt it. Mm. I yeah. never thought about it. That's crazy. Yeah, I think it's a it's a common thing. But yeah, um, but a lot of artistic people and creators and all that, uh, they have just that's how I, how I think they're so explosive. Like mm-hmm. with their stuff is because there's you know people call it superpowers and stuff. I don't know. I've always uh, called it a superpower. Yeah, that's but there's crazy. a negative connotation. <laughs> you know, people are like, oh, I have ADD, ADHD, and all that. You're just different. Mm-hmm. You know, your brain works differently. That doesn't mean you're bad and all that. It's honestly a gift. If you if you understand what it is and then you start using it in the right way, which if you got ADHD, you know you're easily distracted, but you also are super hyper focused. That's right. So when you get into that realm of being super hyper focused, and that's actually helped me in my business and editing, sitting at the computer, it's like I know the right times to really sit. If I want to get good two or three hours in the editing, I'm going when I'm hyper focused mm-hmm. and not when I like. Yeah, I go when I make I gotta make myself go, but I don't get the best editing done like that. It's just kind of forced editing, right? But some of my best work has come when I've been hyper focused. Mm-hmm. So. I believe it, man. Well, awesome stuff about your business. Uh, we're gonna link everything down in the description. If you're looking for a videographer in this area, maybe out of this area. Hey, this dude travels. He'll go to L.A. <laughs> <laughs> He'll go give him the give him the cash. He'll get you out there. Uh, so we will talk about fitness now. Uh, so your fitness journey, man. Uh, you said you were in the streets a little bit. Mm-hmm. I want to kind. I think I kind of see where this is going a little bit there. Uh, so talk about your, I've talked about my fitness journey. I'll kind of, uh, do a shortened version of that. But when I was 15, morbidly obese, very obese, uh, Cheetos was the diet, uh, cheese dip, call of duty, man. That was it. And, uh, had a health coach actually, I haven't mentioned this a lot on the podcast, but he publicly kind of insinuated that I was, and I was like tore up and all that, but it motivated me Mm. so much. You know, I was like, I had friends that were in fitness that were in band and stuff like that. And I was like, man, I'm going to do this. Changed my life. I don't think I'd be the person to the level of success that I am without that moment. I look back to that in my life. So talk about your fitness journey, what that was like for in your life, dude. Yeah, so we'll we'll start with like how I got into my fitness journey because, you know, you just talked about how you got into yours. But yeah, so how I got into my fitness journey, I was probably, I don't know, 11, 12 years old. But I actually got into my fitness journey because of bullying, which mm. I can't say that's really a thing because it's so protected now nowadays. But yeah, when I was a kid, bro, bully left and right, used to get my ass whooped. And this All was the time. what? What year was this? 
like when this was going on? Probably 2003, 2004. Okay. Like I was young. So mid-2000s. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just get my butt whooped. And I just couldn't handle it. And I was like, starting the CEOs, that's back when uh, fitness was starting to blow up on YouTube. Yeah. And you starting to get these fitness guys. So I was starting to watch them, and I was like, you know what? If I get a certain big, don't want nobody mess with me. If I get big, won't nobody mess with me. And that's really what happened. I started to grow and the bullying kind of died down a little bit. Because mm-hmm. once you get a little size on you, you know, they get a little scared of you, right. even if you can't fight. Yeah, they like so. an easy target. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's right. So yeah. that's kind of how I got into the fitness journey. And then once I got in, I was sucked in. It was yeah. a wrap. And uh, I don't know, just being able to see that type of growth and seeing what I could do to my body just by lifting weights. It was just addicting. I became addicted, and I've been addicted ever since. That's awesome, dude. Well, it really took off. I see your energy. You know, talk about that high energy in the gym, dude. It's translated well. It really has. Um, so how did it impact your life? You said, you know, and I think that's almost, I'll say this, kind of a trauma response mm-hmm. uh, for you to go into fitness in that way, uh, but it came out a positive thing. Mm-hmm. So I think that's something everybody can kind of learn, too. Everything that you're negatively pushed into isn't always a bad thing. It's you know, there's a lot of good that came out of it. But how has fitness impacted your life overall? Well, it really changed my life as far as, like I told you, I was in the streets at first. Yeah. And once I really got committed to the gym, and that's just what I wanted to do all the time. And most people think I got into the gym because of sports, but I really got into the gym because of that reason I just told you. But, like, once I got in the gym, man, it was like I ain't want to be in the streets no more. Like. Because I knew if I got in trouble, my mom was not going to let me go to the gym when it was time to go to the gym. Uh, so helping me get out of the streets was really the big one, because if I was in the streets, I probably would not be where I was today. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it wasn't hard, but it wasn't easy, mm-hmm. you know? And having so much, having so many friends that were in the streets, you know, I was always feeling that tug back. But really what kept me from getting tugged back was being able to work out and go to the gym and just the gym just freed me. It freed me from my previous life. So yeah. that's really how it has helped me in life. And then also how it's helped me in life is just just health wise. Like I don't really ever get sick. Never really ever get sick. Yeah, it's um, a pretty healthy hobby. You know? <laughs> if you think about it, yeah, yeah, it's a pretty good hobby to have. I can walk up the steps, not even breathe hard. Yeah. You know, walk down the street, you know, walk with friends and not breathe hard or go on a hike and not breathe hard and and be ready to quit because sometimes you'll go out with people and they think they fitness ready but they're not and you kind of dragging around because they don't really put their life in the fit or put fitness into their life and the only time they would do fitness is when they want to go walk or something and now not like it's a bad thing being drugged now right when you got that type of energy that i have you just want to go 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 and it's hard to go 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 if you're not in shape yeah, well, uh, it's hard. there was a story of a guy, a coach that I had, and uh, this player was playing football, and he was about to start basketball season, right, because it goes kind of right in. And uh, and he's like, I'm ready. I can do this. He was like a – I don't know what position he played, but it really didn't matter. You know, you stop, start, mm-hmm. stop, start, stop. And he's like – he started doing this, and he was done. Like, he was not <laughs> in shape at all. It's a different fitness level. Uh, there's different levels to fitness for sure. But once you start doing the activity, you find out where you're at for sure. Yeah, when you yeah. start running and start getting winded, that's a big deal. Um, so fitness has uh, impacted your life pretty significantly. That's wild that it got you out of the streets and all that. I think people, and especially for me, it gives you that discipline to me. Yes. And that's huge. It develops that muscle of discipline 
so early and it did in, in my life, especially even before I was an adult and all that, uh, that really significantly helped me in my life for sure. Yeah. Um, kept me out of stuff. Definitely mm-hmm. on the discipline part. And it also helps as far as like, you know, how you do one thing is how you do everything. That's right. So especially in the mornings when I'm at the gym, if I'm doing something hard and I'm struggling, I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. The rest of my day is easy. Even when I was in school and I was like, God, I got this six o'clock class. And I'm like, y'all just went to the gym and, and was in there for two hours. You know, I did 315 or, or 225, whatever the day was. I got my 12 reps. Felt like I was going to die. Felt like I couldn't get to the next set, but I did. So it's like, I can make it through this six o'clock class. Mm-hmm. And that's really where it helps me because if I can do it in the gym, I can do it in life. That's right. It translates. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a perfect translation. And and that's the thing. If you push so far and achieve so much, looking back, you're like, oh, that wasn't really that bad. But during it, you're like, oh, my gosh. And then, <laughs> But then you get through it, and it's like, oh, that wasn't so bad. Exactly. You know? And once you get through, that's a big deal, man. Well, cool. I'm glad that fitness has impacted your life uh, like it has mine. That's an awesome story, though, that it kept you uh, safe and all that. PEDs. We're, we're going all in, dude. <laughs> So, so let's talk about it. Uh, talked about it with a lot of people, had a lot of stories kind of talking about my upbringing. I got into fitness at 15, never used steroids. Okay. I've used a uh, jacked Jack 3D. But, yeah, yeah. I've used that. That's, that's the most, the most, I guess, thing I've ever used back when it had something in it. I think that wasn't yeah. legal now or something, mm-hmm. but it was over the counter then. Uh, never used it, but had a lot of guys around me use PEDs, all that. Um, so what's your opinion overall on it? We'll just start with that. My opinion on it is I don't really. No, you're good. My opinion on it is I don't really mind it. Like if you a PED guy, be a PED guy because this is my thing. It's not just taking the PED that's going to get you to size. You still got to put in the work. Mm -hmm. Not only do you got to put in the work, you got to put in double time. Because if you don't, it's not going to turn out the way you want it to as far as uh, muscle growth. I've never done PEDs before. but Jack 3D was one of them I had. I don't know if you Was ever, it? Yeah. What was in it? A uh, testosterone booster. No. Yeah, it was a test well, that's booster. not... Not really a PED, but... Yeah, but that's... It's just a testosterone... They sell testosterone boosters now over the counter. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. So, uh, I don't know if you heard of Bullnox, which is not a hard PED. It's just a testosterone booster. Yeah. But I've never done, like, SARMs or anything like that. Right. Have I thought about it? Heck yeah, I thought about it. You yeah. know? But... I just anytime I get into like steroids or or other little PDs, the only thing that stops me from doing it is like the health issues. Like that's the only thing I'm afraid of. But I just know some. I'm really strong now, so it's like, what would happen if I get on steroids? It's crazy. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've always been one of the bigger people in the gym anyway, mm-hmm. and I was like, if I took steroids dude it'd be crazy it'd be crazy and it is tempting it's like man but obviously it's just not something i want to do uh hyperlipidemia Mm. uh, insulin resistance uh elevated uh red blood cells there's all types of conditions uh cardiomyopathy of Mm. taking steroids and stuff just the risk of it is just not worth it just like you said it's been with me it's just never been worth it for me not at all not at all but um so people I grew up with some people that took it and lied about it and really? said, I'm natty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've mean, never met so, them people You yet. never met anybody that? Well, uh-uh. that, that's what I was going to say because my generation was kind of like that, like early 2000s or late 2000s, 2010s. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like we, everybody's who's natty and all that. Yeah. Now people just say it. Yeah. Like they'll just say what well, they're stacking all that. 
So what's your opinion on that saying, obviously you probably think that's wrong by hiding it, but uh, you said you've never met anybody that do that. Well, I've never met anybody yeah, that lied about being on PEDs. Mm-hmm. Everybody I hang around or I've been around, if you ask them, they're going to tell you. Now, if you don't ask them, they ain't going to say nothing. So if you never ask them, hey, are you natural? No. <laughs> they ain't going to tell you. Yeah. But if you ask them and be like, hey, you on steroids? They'll tell you, yeah. Like, I got three or four buddies. When I was young, I had to ask them. But I had to ask them. They weren't going to tell me. Yeah. And they'll tell me, yeah, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on steroids. Yeah. I mean, thank you for the honest. <laughs> Did you tell that they were? Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> you know, I've seen some people take it, though. And not have that much change. There is a genetic component to mm-hmm. building muscle, to uh, the size of muscle bodies, and there's a lot of uh, pathophysiology and physiology to that. Um, I'm trying to think of his name. It's a guy on YouTube, but he did a study, or he viewed a lot of these studies, peop- four groups, mm. people that didn't work out, people that worked out, people that worked out on TRT, and people that didn't work out but took TRT. Mm. The people that didn't work out, and took TRT, had more muscle than the people that worked out and did not. It, it's true. That's crazy. It's real. <laughs> and so you said that, and I've had other people in the podcast say that, and mm. I didn't have this information until now. I'll have to view the study. I will put that link in the description because it's really, really cool to see. Well, I guess not cool, but, uh, but yeah, even not working out and taking TRT increased muscle mass significantly. That's crazy. It's a real thing. So that's the rub that I have with it. I've said it all a lot through this podcast, but people like would say I'm not doing it. And then I'm like, I can't, how am I not growing like they are? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm like, I'm, I'm putting in the same amount of work. I'm doing all this stuff, but obviously recovery times and all that is all different and all that. Exactly. And that's why I say you got to do double time because you're going to recover quicker. So you oh, got to yeah. go tear it down oh, again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it is intriguing for sure. Never something I wanted to do. But of course, I think anybody that is in fitness, they're curious about it. Like they're like, man, what would I look like if I did that? You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? I feel like if you're in fitness and you're really deep into fitness, you have not uh, like you've thought about it. You have not not thought about it. You've thought about it. That don't mean you did want to go do it, but you've always had that curiosity of what would happen if I was on this. Yeah. Because you see some of these guys and they're freaking huge. Like my buddy was 190. But probably like three percent body fat, steroids yeah. going crazy. So yeah. it's crazy how it all works. But what's the limit? You know, I mean, yeah. But what is the limit? Like mm-hmm. with money, numbers never end, right? True. True. How big you want to be? Like a gorilla? Mm-hmm. I mean, well, how big do you want to be? You're never going to be big enough. Mm-hmm. Like it's, especially mm-hmm. once you get that, and it's addictive. Yeah. You know, the statistically too to get a little dark here, um, but people that come off of TRT. Uh, not necessarily TRT, but steroids in general, um, the depression rate, mm. suicide rates through the roof because you're losing, that. you become this person and then you lose yourself. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, there's just so many risks involved. It's just, it's never been it for me. Talking about fitness can too much be a bad thing. I know some people that have no rest days, seven days a week, me currently my split, and we'll get into your split in a minute if you want to kind of talk about that, but I do three days a week. I've worked out for over 15 years now. Okay. Just stay consistent, do three days a week. I've started running in between because, like I said, I got up to 290. Got to okay. drop weight a little bit. <laughs> a little too heavy. But uh, is too much fitness a bad thing, and can it be? I guess it really just depends. I don't think too much fitness is a bad thing. Well, yeah, let me let me rephrase that. Too much fitness can be a bad thing to a certain extent. Like, every day, if you're working out every day, doing fitness every day, whether it's running, lifting weights, biking, 
you got to take into consideration that you're breaking down your body. So if you're not giving your body time to recover, eventually, just like a car, if something breaks on the car and you don't fix it, something else going with it. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to fitness, if you're breaking down your body every day and not giving your body time to recover, well, other stuff starts to go too. You're going to tear that cartilage down. And after you tear that cartilage down, the bone's going to start rubbing. Yep. And then it's just going to be problem after problem. So mm-hmm. you can work out a little too much. But I also think that depends on the person because everybody's body is different. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, uh, but everybody recovers different too. True. That's the key. You know, and that goes back to genetics and people's muscle groups and mm-hmm. our muscle types and all that. Um, everybody's recovery time is different for yeah. sure. Now, I say hardcore fitness every day. Yeah, that's that may be a little much. But as far as a little bit of fitness every day, it ain't going to hurt you. Man, me and me, you know, we just don't know how to rest. Dude. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, even if I'm not working out, mm-hmm. you know, I do stuff at home. Like I go, I work 40 hours a week, I do this, mm. you know, and then I'm like, okay, well, I got this home project. I need to finish it. It's just rest is important. Yeah. It is important for sure. And I think a lot of people get into fitness too. So let me ask you this, going pretty top heavy into fitness. Most people, when they start to uh, get really into it, just over the top, and then they burn out in three or four months. Mm-hmm. Wrong thing. Uh, kind of, I wrote it down to ask you this and we'll segue into that. How, if somebody was just starting fitness. What would you tell them? What is your guide to them? Okay. And I like this and I love this question because a lot of people don't understand that you don't have to go hard at first. Yeah. If somebody's getting into fitness and they want to start getting in the gym, the first thing to do is not get them in the gym. The first thing to do is get them on a constant routine. So if I'm, I'll say if I was getting somebody into fitness, the first thing I would do for them is tell them to start walking. All right. So you taking somebody, hey, go walk three times a week for an hour. Now you instilling that discipline into them. So when they do get to go to the gym, it's like they already got that discipline and they're not really going to burn out as fast because it's, a, it's, it's like second nature. It's like a habit. Right. And then you also don't start them off too hard. So it's like not rough on them. And they actually eager to get to the next step instead of wanting to back off on it. Mm-hmm. So if you get somebody walking, let's say, Get them to walk for the first six weeks, three times a week. That's going to really get them conditioned to go to the next step. And then you can start getting them into the gym. And a lot of people go, like, I should change my eating. Don't worry about that right now. Mm -hmm. Just worry about getting into the motions and being able to do this every day, being able to build consistency. I want to see you come here and lift 315 pounds. Mm. I want to see you make progress. Right. Can I stop and cut that off? No, you're good. Yeah, you're good. I thought it was on silent. No, you're good. And it ain't even going to pick it up because these microphones will cut that out. But it's all good. So back back to what I was saying. Uh, But yeah, I wouldn't push people into the gym when they first starting because you, I know a lot of people heard this like in relationship terms. If talk about a woman and they, so if I like a woman and she don't really like me and I keep pushing myself on to her, yep. where she gonna, she's going to back off mm-hmm. and kind of get into the gym the same way. If you sit there and push it on somebody, they're not going to want to do it. Mm-hmm. But if you work them in gradually, they'll get more eager and eager and eager to get to that next step. So they'll go from running. Now they're running two, three miles. Now they want to lift weights. Next thing you know, they hit 225 for 20 reps. Mm-hmm. And they're like, how did I get there? It's you didn't rush yourself. Yeah. It's a marathon. Not mm-hmm. a sprint. Well, that discipline, like we talked about earlier, it's a muscle. You mm-hmm. got to work that. You got to build that. Now me going to the gym, 
I don't think about it. Mm-mm. It's in my life. Yep. Like, I, it's a part of my routine. I do it, you know, multiple times during the week. I don't even think, man, I got to go to the gym. It's just something I do. Mm-hmm. And so I think developing that routine, that's the key. Um, if you just have a gym membership, I'm going just because I have a gym membership. You're not going to stick with it. You're not enjoying it. You mm-hmm. know, you have to find some type of enjoyment out of that. And it's developing that muscle of discipline. That's the key. Heck yeah. Uh, so starting out, uh, we'll talk about your split. What do you do? What kind of workout split you do? So my split is actually, uh, so I'm I'm a six days a week type of guy, but I'm only doing, I'm only lifting weights four times a week. So my splits, weights Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, biking on Tuesday, running distance on Thursday. I forgot about Sunday, but Sunday is kind of like a chill, chill mm-hmm. day, like a what you call an active recovery. Yeah. So I don't really take like rest days as far as sitting down, not doing nothing, not going to the gym. I'm an active rest guy. Gotta stay moving. Yeah. <laughs> High energy. <laughs> Heck yeah. So right now my splits is weights four times a week, fit, uh, cardio two times a week, mm-hmm. uh, Monday, Monday through Saturday, and Sunday is my active rest day. That's awesome. Yeah. I have a split three days, chest and back, shoulders and arms, lower body. Okay. That's it. That's it. And I've done that for three plus years now. Okay. Used to, it was like chest day, mm. then shoulders, mm-hmm. then arms. But I feel like you recover faster than that. You recover, like your your chest, I feel like it's going to recover in two days. Mm-hmm. You and don't have to does. wait a whole week mm-hmm. to hit the chest again. So in knowing that, I'm like, I can increase the volume, just hit those more. And, um, and that's just what I've been doing. Yeah. And so like, my split right now is kind of weird because only thing I'm really focused on is, and this is how I wrote my stuff out before I wrote my workout out, is one thing, it's four things I'm worried about, four main things that I want to do. I want to do power cleans. I want to do chest. I want to do legs. And I want to do abs. Mm-hmm. So there go my four days right there, right? So, but I mix power clean and legs together on Monday. And then <clears throat> Tuesday, that's my bike day. Uh, Wednesday, I'm uh, shoulders, back, and chest, which is sounds weird, but, you know, I just get it yeah. done. Uh, yeah, that's a lot of volume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a lot of but volume. A lot of the back and uh, shoulders is more um, calisthenic. Okay. So I'm only really pushing weights on chest, like doing bench, but I'll go mix bench with pull-ups. Yeah. And then I'll mix uh, incline bench with, I don't know if you ever did these, but I don't know what you call them. I call them scalpel push-ups. You're on your elbows, and you're just doing this. Oh, okay. So you like, flapping your scalps. Oh, wow. yeah. So it really helps your back out. And uh, that's one of my favorite exercises, so I had to throw that out. That's there. pretty sweet, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Uh, buy his program. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But for the most part, uh, I'm doing power cleans on Monday with legs. Tuesday, bike. Wednesday, back, shoulder, uh, back, shoulders, and chest. Wednesday. Depends on the week. Sometimes I throw that active rest day right there, or I go right into uh my running. And then my last thing would be do legs again. That's a lot of volume, dude. Yeah. How old are you? 26. I'm, I'm 31. Once, <laughs> once you hit 30, get ready. It goes Don't downhill, man. Yeah. It goes downhill. <laughs> goes downhill from there. I remember being 26, doing all that stuff. Uh, so do you feel, uh, you said you kind of do chest, shoulders, uh, back mm-hmm. kind of together. Do you feel like it is beneficial? Like, if you were starting out to do just chest or just back, do you feel like it's good to kind of combine things, do that multiple times a week? What's your opinion on that? To me, honestly, yeah, I do feel like it's better to combine things because as humans, 
we don't we we are very comp so we move in complex movements not yes. simple movements yes so i try to make my workouts kind of complex movements mm-hmm. so that's really what i like about uh i wouldn't say it gotta be a full body but just training different things at one time right whereas i would do an exercise where it's curl to a press where i'm curling to a press yeah which is a little complex movement because if you were going to let's say let's say you want to throw that coffee cup at me it's not just a tricep or just a bicep that whole push came from your deltoids to your biceps i don't know the metal you know that, that movement comes from that bicep that actually connects to your shoulder yeah down to the, the elbow into the form so all that motion it took all the muscles in the back too yep so it took all that just for you to throw that cup to me so it's like i'd rather go in there and train complex instead of like simple movements where you were talking about like people go in there and hit chest like you just hit chest yeah. you just do this movement all day yeah you know when you hitting bench, you kind of using your back too. Yeah. Whether you realize interior it or not. Mm-hmm. Interior shoulder. So I love complex. I like complex movement. Mm-hmm. And I think it helps a lot more and translates over into the real world. Because even with walking, you're not using one muscle. You're yeah. using multiple muscles. So. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Uh, anytime I've worked out, I've always tried to think like, uh, I want to build my body in a way that I could like fight off a bear or mm-hmm. something. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Like I'm not, if a bear tries to tell me, I'm like, wait, 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 let me get my bench press. Let me, <laughs> you know, you know, it's, it's fight or flight at that point. Uh, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. You know? So I think that's, that's the good point about fitness that I like. Uh, like you said, just singular plane movements. I like the complex movement kind of thing is very important. Thank you. Yeah. Thank yeah you. That's good stuff. Um, so fitness in high school, Versus fitness now. So I did a lot of random stuff in high school. I tried to do all the hipster stuff. Now it's just more kind of a consistent thing. So kind of explain the difference in your life between the two. Well, honestly, I'm going to kind of keep it short on the beginning part. Because when I was in high school, it really, wasn't, it really wasn't so much as like, now it's like I'm working out to be healthy, to make sure I can move the right way. But kind of when I was in high school, it was workout for sure. I wanted yeah. to be big and right. want people to know I'm big. Like, right. don't mess with me, right. obviously, because of the story I told you about. But that's kind of the difference between high school and now. When I was in high school, it was more for show. Yeah, I played sports, but I was big because I wanted to look big. And now it's more like I, I do fitness to stay healthier. And my fitness back then was big and stiff. My fitness now is more cut and flexible. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of that. Well, what's more healthy? I mean, really, you know. You can be big and you mm-hmm. can try to show off this persona, all that. And man, I there's some strong people that aren't that big. Mm-hmm. You know what I exactly. mean? The size of the uh, the fight, fighting the dog, you know, mm-hmm. versus the, the size of the dog and the fight and all that. It's it's a real thing. There's some small people that are very very strong. Yeah, honestly, I think like I think being like cut and more flexible is a whole lot more healthier than being like huge and stiff. Yeah, mainly because I think you put, especially if you a certain body type. We all know your body only can hold a certain amount of weight before you fall into the scale of obesity or underweight. Sure. Right. And if you got a body type, whereas like me, I don't got big bones, obviously, because I'm a little person. Mm-hmm. Whereas you, you probably can hold, you probably can hold 230 pounds, no problem. 
when I was getting big, <laughs> I know that's a lot. Which is your a lot. Sorry. <laughs> but so you can probably hold two thirty easily. Yeah. I noticed when I was trying to get big and I was was getting heavier at one eighty five, like my knees were starting to hurt. Yeah. My elbows were starting to hurt. And it was just probably because my body was not adapted to hold that much weight. And me being a little lighter guy, my body likes to be light and yeah. quick, not big and you know. Yeah, it's a big deal, you know. Uh, back problems, mm-hmm. a lot of people, and all that. I know, I know it is for me. I'm uh shameful to say, two ninety. I told you about that before the podcast, man. One of the, I think the heaviest I've really ever been, and man, I can push some weight. It's it feels good, but man, it wears on the joints, man. Mm-hmm. It's a real thing. Our bodies, and we're I'm, we're in the south. I you know got the sweet tea, got the green. <laughs> <laughs> but it's Solid a real thing dreams. yeah but the, the calories man it just it sneaks up on you if you aren't assertive and i would say this about anybody but you have to really be careful about what you're putting in your body looking at your body assessing things you know kind of on a weekly monthly basis like mm-hmm. what is my body doing i'm starting to have this back pain like is it because i'm gaining weight am i sitting at work right am i sitting too much all that it's it's a constant assessment i think you need to do on your body yeah yeah a lot of good information you gave there uh, I think fitness is, uh, I think we're done with fitness, man. All right. Yeah. <laughs> closing it out. Uh, good conversations with all that. So sports, USA, University of South Alabama. Go Jags. Go Jags. Hey, uh, running back. We're going to put up them stats out there. Oh, yeah. So when did you play uh, running back at USA? Okay. So it was kind of funny. I actually didn't get recruited as a running back. I got recruited as a punter. Oh, wow. Believe it or not. And uh, I played running back 2019 and 2018 so 2018 2019 i played running back i didn't get to play a lot mm-hmm. but i was a, like a power back which you wouldn't think i'd be a power back as small as i am but yeah i was just really physical and i did a lot of practice i did a lot in like uh special teams did a lot in special teams because i did play special teams in the game i just didn't get a lot of opportunity to carry the ball in the game mm-hmm. that's awesome dude so go back to let's say middle school mm-hmm. so middle sixth grade yep are you playing football in sixth grade Okay, so start with your football journey, what all that was like. Okay, so I actually started in, I actually started in peewee, peewee football. Oh, wow. So I probably was playing football in third, fourth grade, and I absolutely hated the sport. I hated football. Couldn't stand football until about sixth, seventh grade, and that was the first time I actually punted a football, too, and it just kind of happened. So coach was just like, hey, you're going to punt a football. But, uh. So going into middle school, what really kind of sucked me in the football was the competition level was just different from Pee Wee. And of course, as you go up, the competition level gets different. People get more serious. Yep. But the competition level was different in middle school, but it was so much fun. Let me ask you so about Pee Wee and we can continue on the story. You have any coaches like start yelling at you and all that? Yeah. That's crazy, man. It's Pee Wee. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. They I don't care. Know. I know. <laughs> and, you know, it makes you think, like, is that that's for their ego, man. Yeah. You know half I mean? the time in Pee Wee, those coaches are somebody you know, like uh, parents, friends. Like, it's usually yeah. somebody's parent that you know. So they're a little bit harder on you than, like, an actual coach. So if your dad was your baseball coach, he's going to be 10 times harder on you than a regular coach would be. Yeah. Just because they know you, they kind of think they know how to say stuff to you, which it don't be right all the time. Yeah. But in Pee Wee, it's a lot of parents that's the coaches. And a lot of those parents are actually involved in the community with the kids. So they're a little bit harder on the kids because mm-hmm. they think they know the kids. I think it's important that parents don't try to live through their child. 
that live, happens a relive lot. their life mm-hmm. through their child. You see uh, girls in beauty pageants. Mm-hmm. You see guys in sports. Yeah, it's a very common thing, and I I think uh, you really need to check yourself mm-hmm. as a parent in that. Uh, you're not a parent, right? Uh-uh. Yeah, I'm not either. <laughs> but uh, once we get there, it's a real thing, man. You got to kind of let your child uh, develop and all that. You need to be tough a little mm-hmm. bit, develop that toughness and all that. But I think it's a very common thing, it is. especially women. Mm-hmm. I think they try to live, like mothers try to live, live, relive their life through their daughters. Exactly. Kind of thing. It's a real thing. Talked about the smothering thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Real thing. Uh, so football in middle school, you kind of talked about that a little bit. Yeah. So football in middle school is kind of where it took off for me as far as falling in love with the game. And that was the first time. Sixth grade years, when that season ended, was the first time I was like, mm, I really like football and I didn't want to stop playing. And from there, excuse me, from there, seventh grade, eighth grade, I actually got to play a lot more. So the game really meant a lot more to me. And after middle school, I was just ready for high school and, you know, started getting on the weights. Obviously, it changed the way I played the game a lot. Mm-hmm. But what really was I guess eye-opening to me for football was was that transition from middle school to high school because I went from being a guy that played a lot in middle school high school and what who are you mm-hmm. <laughs> like that was the question who are you like we don't know who you are yeah so it just restarted the whole thing for me just restarting I, I got to put in the work and that's what I was addicted to was putting in the work to get to the position I wanted to be yeah like that was fun to me out there running bleachers all the time that's where it was fun to me. High school was the best, I guess, football experience, which they always say it is. High school was the best football experience to me because the work that I put out, I actually saw returns. So if I went out there and I was running bleachers all night, I got to play in the game. So I went out there running bleachers for no reason. And mm-hmm. it just really, it really set up different for me once I hit high school. And well, it's that Kobe Bryant uh, mentality, mm-hmm. that Mamba mentality. Ain't nobody going to outwork you, man. Uh-uh. Yeah. Uh-uh. And if you want it, you go get it. And that translates into life, just like in fitness. You know, yeah. you work for something, you sacrifice, you put in the time and effort, and you get the reward. Heck you know, yeah. I think that's so important, man. And the gratification from that mm-hmm. is, is pretty sweet. So high school, kind of talk about, did you get to start? What was that like? Okay, so I didn't get to start, but I was a rotator is what they call it. Uh, <laughs> our high school team was so, so, so skilled. The guy that played in front of me actually played for the Bears now, Darnell Mooney. I don't know if you ever heard that what? name. Yeah. What, at Gaston City? Yep. <laughs> it wasn't was in the league, and he's doing numbers. Like, what? Yep, yeah, but, I didn't know he played at Gaston City. That's yep. crazy. He played people listen all over the U.S., uh, yeah, so if you're in Chicago, that's that's pretty sweet, Darnell. And he started right here in Gaston, Alabama. Yeah. Uh, that's that's pretty wild, man. That's yeah, funny. so I was his backup, uh, which we had so much talent. It was one of those backups where we do three plays and we rotate because it didn't matter who was out there, we didn't miss a beat. So I wasn't a starter. I was kind of a rotator because I was starting. I guess I did start punter. I was a starting punter, started kickoff, started kicking field goals. So I had all the kicking duties to do too, but I just wanted to play receiver. Like, it's nothing like catching a ball. Come on. I can just kick a football. I like to play receiver. Yeah. So I guess I did start. Get the yards. (laughs) Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I did start punting, and I was a starter punter, starter uh, starter kickoff, and starter uh, field goal kicker. So that was fun. Uh, I don't know. Everybody talk crap about kickers, bro. It's oh. hard. <laughs> well, Pat McAfee on a college game day, yeah. he's been getting people out like every week. It's uh, the college game is already over, but nobody made it. Like he he let 
all these people like come out and kick and we'll give you thirty five thousand dollars and nobody can make it Mm-mm. and that's what he would always say kicking's harder than you think yeah and it is dude mm-hmm. i mean it's hard to kick it 30 yards 25 exactly. yards much left nfl kickers kicking 60 man that's crazy <laughs> I look at kicking like golf. Yeah. <laughs> so you can you can hit the golf ball, but it might not go where you want it That's to. That's right. Getting it where Same you want it to go. Ball. That's right. Adjusting the wind and all that, too. It's mm-hmm. it's a real deal. Yeah. So, kicker, what was that like? Dude, it was awesome. It's Honestly, I think it was a lot funner than playing receiver. Yeah. Just because you got a lot more exposure. It's four or five receivers that come in the game at once. It's one kicker. Yeah. All the time. Everybody know who you is, and that could be a good thing. <laughs> That's true. You miss the game-winning field goal, and it's a bad thing. Yeah. And, you know, going to game-winning field goals, I'm going to take you back to a moment when I was in high school playing. We were playing Huntsville. We were playing Huntsville. The game's tied 28-28. We're driving down the field, maybe 30-yard line, fourth down, kick a field goal team. I go out there to kick the field goal, miss left. And uh, <laughs> they get the ball, defense come out, defense do their thing, recover the fumble. Dude, it ain't even been five minutes. We run our little plays, fourth down, go out there to kick the ball again <laughs> to win the game. <laughs> uh, Miss right. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. The pressure, man. It's, it's cry. I'm sure you felt the pressure. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. everybody's there and they just like looking at you and they just hope you make this field goal. Yeah. And in your mind, you're going to make the field go. So when you miss, you like, dang. So, But the good thing back then, it wasn't a lot of people that was, like, bashing kickers. At least in high school, they didn't bash kickers. Yeah. So luckily, we went on to win that game in overtime, and I did keep the field goal in overtime to win it. Okay. <laughs> so eventually, Redem- I made it. <laughs> Redemption. So going through those moments, like, when, you, when you're zoning in, mm-hmm. like, as a kicker, what's going through your mind and all that? Honestly, and most people can't say this, but nothing. Yeah, like it then came to the point where I don't put in a preparation all week, and I keep the ball so many times, I just get back there, so I kick it. Now you do have your high pressure moments, like that moment I just told you about. I wasn't really like phased. It was the games because we was tied. So if like I missed the field goal, it wasn't that bad. But now games when you're down, you're more like. You're not supposed to do this. You're more negative talk yourself. When I mean negative talk, it's like, I hope I don't miss this field goal. I hope I don't miss left. I hope yeah. I don't miss right. So it's kind of an inside battle that you're facing. And it can get tough sometimes when you get in that rim of like, man, I hope I don't. I hope I don't. It's kind of hard to perform at that point, and you kind of just got to do it. Yeah. So the the worst part about being a kicker when it comes to pressure is onside kicks like that's the most pressure i ever felt in my life it's like you gotta kick this ball a certain type of way so we can get it back and they don't really blame it on the kicker but you know as a kicker if you didn't kick the ball right on the onside kick you know it's your fault and it's it's just a lot of pressure (laughs) man you know and people now they let people bet on college games nfl and uh you know death threats mm-hmm. to kickers and all kind. It's crazy, man. Yep. I mean, it's it's a game. Yeah, but people have so much money riding on the line and all that. It's 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 a big deal. Oh yeah, yeah it's a big deal. I remember uh, Alabama kicker missed a kick before and then went to school and uh, well, the kick six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's and, what I thought uh, you was gonna say. And man, I mean, like I heard kids when I was younger saying and it wasn't during the kick six. It was years ago, but saying stuff about I was like in fifth grade. And they were saying that like stuff about the kicker, and I'm like, man, I just 
I, I don't know. I, it's it's a game. You know, yeah. I, I never took it that serious. But I guess people that have money riding on the line, it's life or death for them. You know. Yeah, I mean? and then you think about how passionate, even if they don't have money on the line, you got to think about how passionate some of these fans are. These fans are so yeah. passionate nowadays, and they start acting off emotion. So when yeah. your team loses because of something like that, it's really not the kicker fault. It's just they're so angry yeah. at the loss. Who they think the kicker made him lose, so it's like, okay, we finna bash this kicker. We gotta get him because he done made my team lose the game, you know. Right. So it's Which a lot there. If, if you really that. break it down, the kicker didn't lose the game. Mm-mm. There are so many plays during the game that could have went better. You, other people could have played better, but for some reason, it all just comes down to the kicker. You blame it on them. Yep. You know what I mean? But if you understand football, you understand it shouldn't have been to this position anyway. Mm-mm. It shouldn't have got to the point where it it all rides on one kick. Yep. But uh, so the pressure, I'm sure, is immense on uh, kickers and all that. Mm-hmm. A lot, Pat McAfee said. It's not as easy, I'm sure, as everybody says mm-hmm. it is for sure. Um, so college, football in college, what was the transition from high school to college like at USA? Oh, it was so different, just mainly being on your own. And did you just go straight to USA? Straight to USA. Okay. Right out of high school. Uh, mm-hmm. I actually had to come up because I was a PWO uh, first couple of years and I had to go home my first semester because I just couldn't afford it. So I had to come home, make money, go back. I told them I was coming back and they didn't believe me. So when I came back, they were so surprised that I made it back. But I was just determined to go play for South Alabama. Had it in my mind right before I graduated. And I was just, I got there on a, like, I got there on a wish list for real. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <clears throat> but that transition was just so different, mainly just being on my own. You know, I didn't have my parents and just I know that, you know, if you got a little support, it's a little easier. But when you're down there by yourself and just trying to figure things out, it was like it was a lot more than football. Like, yeah, I was playing football, but I also got to figure out, you know, what being an adult is about because I wasn't on scholarship in the first couple of years. So having to pay bills At one point in time, I'm working three jobs just to play ball. Yeah. And uh, that transition just made me a better man. Mm. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Got to look at it. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that transition just it, it did. It made me a better man. But the fans are different. the The coaches are different. Mm. The players are different. Way high caliber than you are in high school. Whereas my biggest transition was that you ain't had nobody on the team that sucked, mm. and that's that's hard to believe. But you ain't have nobody. Any college you go to right now. You ain't got nobody on that team that just suck. Right. Because they're only letting the best of the best on the team. That's right. And as you go higher, you know, the best of the best of the best go to the NFL. Mm-hmm. But, man, we had guys that didn't play a down in college football at USA, turn around, run a 435, 44, 440. And you're mm-hmm. like, yeah, bro, like, why didn't you play? Well, there's so much competition at that level. And that yeah. was the real change is the competition is so different. Everybody's on the same level. So you can't can't make mistakes so going in there you had to fight for position or what was that and you talked about working you know middle mm-hmm. school or middle school high school and all that for the position was there politics was there mm-hmm. politics involved and kind of talk about that, Come on that, that. yeah yeah so talk about that <laughs> yeah so it is give me some insider here it's definitely <laughs> it's definitely some politicking around i mean it's some things that go on that i just don't feel comfortable enough you know saying on camera sure but, you know when it comes to that politic part, it's really the coaches got a job to do. They got a family too. So at the end of the day, 
they're going to put who they trust or who they think they trust on the field. So when it comes to somebody that, especially with the college too, so it's more than just the coaches, it's the college too. So the college on the coaches to put the right players on the field because look at it like this, like the NFL. So you think about college and you think about the NFL, the best player on the field probably make the most money. Not all the time, but a lot of times they're going to make that higher cap of money. Unless it's like a rookie deal or whatever. Facts. Yeah. College is going to put the people on the field who's going to make them the most money. So Uh we had some guys that was out there. They just wasn't that great, but they were comical. They were real comical. Like they'll score a touchdown, just do something stupid. And that would just get the fans like way more engaged. And because of that, you know, they might play that person a whole lot more than somebody that was calm. Like I didn't show a lot of emotion. I just play overdone. And I was always told, like, hey, you got to do something when you, when you make a play. But now I understand that it's because it's an, entertain, it's an entertainment business. Sure. So if you're not entertaining fans and you're not keeping fans in, they're not going to put you on the field. No, I don't care how good you is. So it's all about bringing that money into the college so that they can keep growing. So yeah. if you ain't helping them grow or you predict, or they don't think that you're going to help them grow, it's it's a nugget. It all goes back to money, man. Mm-hmm. I would say almost everything. Yeah. If you look at the root of like any issue or whatever, it's all about people want to make money. That's crazy, man. But it makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, I see where they're coming from. They want to increase their revenue and all that. Yep. Is it the right thing? No. But well, Alabama though. You know, Alabama has a lot of players that are pretty quiet though. Mm-hmm. So and how do you explain that? Their coach. Yeah. Nick Saban, that man don't All play. Hell. Yeah, he don't play. <laughs> like, so, like, little flags, you know, he going to get pissed off about. Yeah. And he's more, he instills so much discipline in those kids. I wish I could have played at Bama. But he instills so much discipline in their kids that it's, it's not individual. Like, Alabama's not really individual. We see it as individual, but they're a real well-knit family. Like, and they're, uh, what do you call it, chemistry. It's so well knit that they don't have to, you know. And then that's my main, that's where I was getting at. My bad. So it's about the players too. So yeah. think about Alabama and you think about how many good players they got. Me, if I was at Alabama, or me being at South, me not being that show out guy, that's going to bring a lot of fans in because I'm doing a certain thing. The thing at Bama is you got this guy and he goes just as good as this guy, but he caused more trouble than this guy. They the same caliber, so at Bama, they going to wobble. Yeah. Because they have the, they got the bullets for that. They got enough bullets in the gun to drop a few. That's true. You know? So, I don't know. <laughs> Was it um, Jamison Williams? Didn't he get suspended for something before? Yeah, yeah the receiver. Uh-huh. Didn't like at the beginning of the season and all that, and you know, extreme caliber receiver and they're like no nope, you're sitting exactly you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah. most people like they ain't gonna do that you know most schools can't afford that they can't afford to sit their star you know what i mean mm-hmm. but that's the difference between alabama they got so many people man exactly. I mean, you, you sit who you want to and there's somebody here waiting here to take your spot yeah and that goes back to i'll tell you a story of my college uh, this is kind of when i first got there i'm a freshman and we're running you know we have to do those runs those 110s and we have a guy, I was going to throw his name out there, but I ain't going to throw his name out there. <laughs> we don't name <laughs> drop that much. <laughs> so we had a guy, I mean, he was really, really good. And, you know, he produced every time the game turned on, he produced. I mean, it was one instant. I'm talking about back and forth with a coach arguing, cussing him out. Like, F you, F this. 
Fuck this whole team. Forget this whole team. I don't care. Played the next day in the game. And yeah. I was like, how? Like, there's no way he should have played in the game after, like, acting like that. But, yeah, he played in the game because that was their best deal. Like I said, some of those guys can bring in a lot of fans just because of the way. Think about Draymond. Yeah. How many people would turn on the game just to see if Draymond do something crazy? Yeah. So, Football is kind of like that, too. With sports are kind of like that. It's all about entertainment at the end of the day and bringing in that money. It's all about revenue uh, and the entertainment. But swapping over to basketball. Mm-hmm. So Draymond Green has been doing these antics <laughs> for years, and they've allowed him to do this. Mm-hmm. All right? And he, he does it. And he put Gobert in a chokehold. I mean, it's crazy. But he's done this stuff. I've seen it for years, dude. He's done it and acted like he's moving his arms and hitting people. He's done it forever. Yeah. What's your opinion on that stuff? I mean, just like as far as opinion on that stuff, like just that action. Yeah. Him being that way. And then finally them coming down and saying you're out, but it took this long. Yeah. I was going to say they should have been did like, and why didn't they do it when the Warriors were on top? They did take him out. Remember when LeBron in the 17 finals, Mm -hmm. uh, they did, they did suspend him uh, for the flagrant. But uh, but I feel like it's long overdue. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's long overdue, and I feel like they, I feel like they feel like they find him so much that it doesn't even affect them no more. No. So and maybe they just kept increasing, which they did increase his fines time after time. So it had finally got to the point where okay, what else can we do to kind of get him back on track? Which I don't think he'll get on track. I think that's just Draymond, and I don't know. I just I don't know. <laughs> when I see Draymond, I think of Dennis Rodman. I can see that. The passion, the Mm -hmm. anger, the deep emotion to the game. But that is what makes him good, Mm -hmm. you know. And I think Steve Kerr knows that. Yeah. Um, What's his name? Uh, Jordan's coach. Uh, Michael Jordan's head coach of the Bulls. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he was at the Lakers. I can't think of his name for some reason. Drawing a blank. But um, I know it's driving me nuts. Everyone on the podcast is sitting here like, it's right I'm, here. I'm gonna look it up, dude. I'm like, right I, right I gotta here. have this. I gotta have this to prove my point. Uh, head coach of Chicago, Chicago Bulls. Let's see. Uh, Phil Jackson. Jackson. Yeah, I don't know. I couldn't think of Phil Jackson. Good. But Phil Jackson knew about Rodman. Mm. He knew who Rodman was, and he knew how to manage him. Yeah, like if you watch the Last Dance and all that. Rodman's just like, I need a break. Yeah. And I'm going to go to LA and party for a couple of days and come back. You know, he knew. He knew that was, a, he had to get it out. He had to do it. That's what made him good. That's why his motor was so good and all that. And I think Draymond is the exact same thing. Steve Kerr was on that Bulls team. Mm. He saw. So it's almost like it all comes full circle. You understand these personalities, how to balance that and all that. Yeah. But, uh, but it's gone on too long. Mm-hmm. I mean, Draymond, he, he's, and I think he kept getting away with it. And now this season, he's putting people in chokeholds. I, because he's got away with it for so long. He's like, I can. Yeah, yeah, it's just getting a little too heavy. (laughs) Uh, Putting people in chuckles ain't a good thing. (laughs) Uh, John Morant, we won't say, don't say anything about it because it'll probably flag it, but pew pew action. Uh, (laughs) Well, I can say these specifics, but do you think he learned his lesson? Do I think he learned his lesson? Which you said you were in the streets before. Mm-hmm. So you kind of understand probably a little bit about where he come from all that maybe. Uh, what, do you think he's learned his lesson on it? Do you think? What do you I think? think he has learned his lesson on it, but not to the point to where, which he got some time for that uh, from the league, you know? Yeah. So he, he probably, I hope he learned his lesson, but I think he learned his lesson to an extent. 
I think he's uh due for one more mess up and he'll really understand that what he has is more than what he used to have. And that's the big thing is the guys get so caught up in the past life, you know, and they just don't know how to move forward, especially when you're making millions of dollars and you think that money can buy you out of trouble. Yeah. So I think he learned his lesson, but I, I think, think he's due for one more mess up. Yeah. It's just the perfect storm. Like you said, coming from that and kind of still being in that life, but then getting millions of dollars and all that, it's kind of a perfect storm for, for chaos. Really. Mm-hmm. I think you see it a lot in the sports world where it's, they just can't get out of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? That mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, you getting out of that with fitness, uh, what would you say to them? If you had to sit down and talk with John Morant, mm-hmm. what would you say to him? I would say, you know, realize what's in front of you and don't let the past take a hold of what's coming next. Because, where's I going with that? Oh, yeah, because uh, what's for you in the future uh, will benefit you a whole lot more than what the past has. Mm-hmm. So being able to live a freer life and already have the stuff that you have, like we don't have to go rob and get it. Like we got enough to go get it now. Mm -hmm. And it's that habit, you know, of being in the streets. Cause when I was young, I did used to double dabble in the stealing and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, just what they call sticky fingers. Yeah. But it took me a second to get out of that habit. Like, yeah, I I got out of the streets, but for another year or two, I kind of had sticky fingers and it wasn't on, I just wanted to steal. It was the thrill. Yeah. So that thrill that you're chasing, you know, you got to find another uh, avenue mm-hmm. that can produce that same thrill. And when you got money like that, you can you can find things that feel that thrill. Yeah. So, yeah. But I think, too, when you got money like that, you can get some bad stuff to feel that thrill, too. Yeah. You can. <laughs> Disciplines key, man. You know, who you surround yourself with mm-hmm. is huge. That is big. You know, I it's think huge. it's huge. You see a lot of good NFL you know, NBA people. There's mm-hmm. a lot of good people out there. Um, you got to surround yourself with good people. That's really it. So back to the football thing, uh, college football experience, would you recommend it to other people? Yeah, 100%. Now, mm-hmm. I'm weird about school as far as I wouldn't have went to school if I wouldn't play football. Oh, okay. So. And he did graduate from USA. I did got graduate. The exercise science. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got the degree. And, yeah, if you're just looking for that, that, out of the park experience because a lot of people do not make it to the league that is the closest thing that you'll get to the nfl like the as far as and honestly i think the fans are a lot better in college than nfl mm-hmm. but that's the closest atmosphere you'll get to the nfl without actually making it to the nfl it's a great experience you know you do a lot as far as traveling you decide to see a lot of different places yeah uh farther south of was california so mm-hmm. yeah I would definitely recommend if you're serious about the game, take it to the next level. Going pro, uh, you did not. Little how bit. how hard is it? Huh? Little bit. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, t- how hard is it to get there? It's pretty tough. Uh, most of it's riding on film, and and do you got the right footage, and do you have the right connections? Just like anything with life, you gotta have the right connections to get to the sure. right spot. And sure. uh, just getting there is hard, man. It's you got to put in so much work and you can put in work for three, four years and never get seen. Yeah. You, you can have the best footage in it out there, but if you don't get it to the right person, it's tough. You can go to camps and combines and stuff like that. But those coaches see so many players names come across their disc. If you don't, if you send them a film and it didn't pop that first time, they see your name again. They might, Oh, we already saw this guy next. So it, 
if you don't get caught, if you don't catch their eye off rip, it's a wrap. Mm-hmm. It's good luck. So the hardest thing is combines, like paying for money to go to the combines. Because a lot of kids don't come out of college and go straight to the NFL. They got to go to arena ball. Like I did arena ball. Okay. And then I did arena ball, semi-pro, and then XFL. And the XFL was smooth. It's just through the process of trying to get in the right eyes, my funds wasn't making it. So I just couldn't get there. But if you got the right amount of funds, and which I always go back to golf because – I'm a golfer. I love golf. Oh, wow. But, like, golf, if you don't got the right funds to get to play golf, like, you'll never play golf. Yeah. Football, if you don't got the right funds to get to the right places, you'll never get there because you got to get those eyes on you. Mm-hmm. And so the most important thing about all that is get eyes on you, uh, get recognition, which is now it's a lot easier with social media. So Yeah. Uh, getting, getting but those it's eyes. flooded. It is but flooded. You, you know, you got mm-hmm. a lot of people say that, but yeah. then you have so many people that flood it to to do that. Yeah. So would you say it's harder now because now you have transfer portal, now you have all this stuff where it, there's just a lot of factors. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's easier now to go college, go pro, or is it harder because of the oversaturation here? Honestly, I think it's a lot easier because of the oversaturation. They had to get more lead you know you see what i'm saying yeah so you do got the nfl but now you also got the xfl don't forget about the cfl you got arena football so you have now which we didn't have coming up it was exit it was a nfl cfl or arena football Mm -hmm. or you can go overseas and play but now in america we got cfl xfl arena football like we got all these different leagues so even though the market is saturated with a bunch of people, there's also a bunch of different leagues you can go in now. So to mm-hmm. me, it's a little bit easier. Just a little bit easier. Not, it's still pretty tough, but yeah. it's a little bit easier. Yeah. Maybe to stand out. I mean, if you are that high caliber, I feel like you're going to stand out yeah, regardless, period. you know. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, that's why putting in the work is important. Cool stuff, dude. Um, biggest struggle in college sports. What's the biggest struggle that you went through as far as the whole experience playing sports in college? Now, I don't know if it's like that now because they actually get paid. You know, they, they get paid from a lot of different stuff now. Yeah. But when I was in college and a lot of the other players, even the guys that's on full scholarship, mm-hmm. bro, just like eating. Excuse me. So a lot of big challenges I saw in college was, you know, having a meal, having something to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, and like doing it every day. Those were my two biggest challenges. Having something to eat, even the guys that was on full scholarship, we all struggled to eat. And, That's crazy. Yeah, and those people that be like, you know, we always been saying college players need to get paid, and they've always been like, no, like, you're making enough money through Skypens and stuff like that. Well, those Skypens that they give us, they got to pay for my room, and your Skypens are part of your scholarship. Mm-hmm. So they got to pay for my room. It's got to pay for my books. It's got to pay for my gas. To get to class, it's got to also pay for the food to get put in the apartment. So you only got so much money to make all this work. So it's a struggle. It's a struggle. It's it's really like starting a business. If I'm going to play football, I'm going to struggle as far as the little things like eating. And, you know, you may not you may not have certain uh, hygiene products because you just can't afford it. Mm-hmm. And that was just one of the biggest things that 
I've seen struggle with, not just with me as a walk on, you know, eventually going to earn a scholarship or whatever, but even scholarship guys, like sometimes, hey, bro, can I use your deodorant? I'm like, I'm working three jobs, so I do have enough money to get hygiene stuff, but just seeing those guys like struggle and away from home. Yeah. That was like one of the hardest things, Mm -hmm. even for me. Like, not just me struggling, but seeing them struggle, seeing your buddy struggle, seeing your teammates struggle. We all struggling. But that was just a part of college. And then every day, doing it every day, day in, day out. We did not go home for holidays. If you play football, you don't have holidays, at least in the fall. Mm-hmm. Thanksgiving, Christmas, if you make it to a bowl game, good luck going home for Christmas. Yeah, You're not going home for Thanksgiving. I don't care what you say because we don't get that time off. You know, students get that time off. They can go home in the summer. Good luck. We had training camp. You can't go home. So that day in and day out was probably one of the hardest, like, discipline kept day, like, discipline kept moments of my life. Like, because you had to do it every day. Or if you didn't do it, you was off the team. Mm-hmm. So that was a big one, just doing it day in and day out. Do you it. don't hear that side of it. Mm-hmm. You don't hear the struggle. You hear all these people like, all oh, the scholarship, they got it made and all that <laughs> stuff. Man, you don't hear that that's, that's still a. A big struggle, guys not having a deodorant, man. Yeah. I mean, that's that's eye-opening for me. I never really even saw that side of things. Yeah. Even, like, from, like, little things to, like, shoes, bro. Like, you're going to struggle. But we yeah. knew it was a part of it. And yeah. we just kind of helped each other out. So Sometimes guys came over to my house for dinner or over to my apartment for dinner. Sometimes I went to some other guys for dinner. But And then, good luck. I mean, good thing we had the calf. But, you know, the calf closes at a certain time. By the time we get out of practice, it ain't even no good food left in the calf. Yeah. So now we got to go find something to eat, whether it's ramen noodles or some, one of our teammates going to cook or something like that. And luckily, we just had a team of just cooking people. Like, yeah. <laughs> and they was from, you know, you got people from Bama. You know, Bama know how to cook. Yeah. Redneck know how to cook. That's right. You got people from the bayou. Oh, them bayou people know how to cook, let me tell you. <laughs> you uh-huh. know? And it's just people from all over the United States that just bring their uh, cooking in. And mm-hmm. so you got Western cooking, you got Bayou cooking, you got, you know, Alabama, your home cook, cornbread, greens, black eyed peas. Oh, yeah. You know, so it was just cool to have different cultures of food because, I mean, we had a, we had a Mexican guy and he would cook like Mexican dishes. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it was awesome. We used to love when he cooked. Yeah. <laughs> Taco Tuesday. Everybody, <laughs> everybody, when we go to practice at 2.30, 2 o'clock, everybody walking in the door. Taco Tuesday. Everybody's happy about it. That's <laughs> yeah. awesome, dude. That's awesome. Well, that's the real deal. And once you, once you come together, man, it's all about unity, uh, helping each other and all that. Mm-hmm. And I think when you're struggling like that, everybody bands together, and uh, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. Um, I wanted to talk about this, you know, peewee football. We mentioned peewee. I wrote this down because CTE, mm. huge thing in sports now. And you got you got coaches out there like, Hit them in the head, you know, peewee coaches and all that. What's your opinion on that? Do you think, I know you play football in peewee. Mm-hmm. I've already made the decision. If I have a son, I don't think I'm going to let him play peewee. I, I think the risk is just too high. Maybe even until middle school. If they are that athletic, if they are that much good in performance, it's going to bleed through. Yeah. Like they're going to do stuff in elementary school, develop that, hand-eye coordination, whatever. Uh, what's your opinion on that? I don't really think there should be contact in peewee, honestly, just because of this. Uh, because again, back to what I was saying, most of those coaches are, are just normal community people. Yeah. I think you should have some sort of training as a football coach in a high impact sport like that because of CTE and everything. And 
I think that it shouldn't be no contact. Flag football is fine. Yeah. You know, you still can display those skills and everything like that. And I think it's actually a lot harder to pull a flag than tackle somebody. Yeah. So I think you actually help them kids to build more skill as they move on. Mm. So that's really my take on it. Was there a video of Tyreek Hill versus 25 women or something like that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he <torched> them <laughs> but yeah, that's crazy. I mean, it is. Flag football is no joke. Mm-hmm. It's tough. I think that would be really fun. We need to get a league together, man. Yeah. Isn't there a league in mm-hmm. Gaston? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought so. Mm-hmm. I need to join, which I ain't that. I, I'm good in short burst. That's all I, you I'm need not to a be. long distance. Yeah, yeah. So, what I like about flag football, like I told you, I played arena football. Yeah. Flag football, like that arena is. Here in Gaston, they got the indoor arena, the indoor soccer field. Uh-huh. That was an arena football field. 50 okay. yards long, and it just mimics arena ball so well. And if you ever watch arena ball, it's so quick. Yeah. You watch flag football, it's so quick. Yeah. You know, so I like flag football. Yeah, high energy. <laughs> yeah. You got high, that's what you like, yeah. Good stuff, man. Uh, so uh, football journey was good. We'll talk about mental health. We're kind of getting close to the close here. We'll talk about mental health a little bit. I kind of wrote this down. Uh, been through a lot, sounds like, that you've explained already. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was your journey like growing through mental health? Did you ever have struggles overcoming? What was your journey like with that? Yeah, so, I mean, which I guess, like, depression, mm-hmm. really, which I don't really get, like, too depressed. I'm real good about pulling myself back. But there are moments where, you know, you feel like you're just not going to make it. Yeah. All right. I'm not even just going to say make it. Like, you may not feel like you might make it to the next hour because of what's going on in your head and what i've learned about mental healthness in which i guess that's why i call it mental healthness but because it's 90 percent of the time all in your head yeah and uh that i've had times where i had times bro when i've been driving a car and i just see a pole my target i'm target locked on the pole just mm-hmm. like end it all because you know struggling so bad whether it's with money or you know struggling to gas in the car or struggling to start a business like it's so many different things that can bring depression on you uh i lost both my grandmas within a month of each other and that was kind of hard to take and you were close with both of them yeah i was real close with both of them. yeah and the real thing that got me through that was friends and i think a lot of the times and why i'm not really bad when it comes to mental health is because i have so many people around me that pick me back up mm-hmm. so i ain't never really been in a bad mental health crisis but i do get those hits of like depression and i guess my biggest one is anxiety mm-hmm. and my anxiety gets bad bro especially if it's like 100 people in the room that's why i'm like i'm supposed to be able to talk to people like you know yeah. hold these seminars it's like how am i ho- how am i gonna hold these seminars and stuff like that when yeah it's hard to talk to five ten people just because i get really really bad anxiety and i think at that point when anxiety comes it also brings that fight or flight yeah and because of that anxiety you automatically choose flight that's right you know what i mean so being able to fight that part of mental that's because that's my biggest thing anxiety being able to fight that even to just come here and just talk in the room with you like it was so much build up yeah you know and it gets hard to open up and because you just shut down, you shut. That's let's go fight or flight. You you flight. You go away. Sure. And uh, just being able to actually now understand what it is and being able to fight it, I've learned a lot as far as 
being able to surpass it. Mm-hmm. Like it might be just a thought, but sometimes you have thoughts for a reason. Mm-hmm. And if you want to believe those thoughts, it's kind of up to you. It's hard not to believe those thoughts, but if you can fight that or have people around you, that's going to get you back to what I call that equilibrium because that's what it is. Chemicals in your brain spike. You sure. Know? And uh, so if you got people that to help you get back to that equilibrium, it kind of helps when it comes to mental, uh, mental health. I'm trying to think about like one of my biggest mental health. Okay. I say my, my biggest depression I had ever been in was, it was my senior year, uh, junior year going to my senior year of college. And at this point I'm working three jobs. I'm trying to stay in school, trying to pay for school. And I just wouldn't talk to anybody just because I felt like I had my own stuff going on. I just didn't want to bury other people in my my sorrows, so mm-hmm. to say. So I would hold it all in. And eventually it had got to the point where, like, if you just said something to me. And that's the thing, too, about mental health is I know I kind of backtrack right there, but this is kind of important is if you got somebody that's like angry or always feel like they coming out at you or something like that. You probably should ask them, like, are they okay? Yep. Because when I was going through my phase, dude, you can say the wrong thing to me, and it was just the wrong thing in my head, and I'm going to spike out. Like, I would, I would get so angry. Mm-hmm. But and some people get sad. Some people get angry. But with me, I get angry. So when I was going through my phase and I just felt like I couldn't make it, I was always arguing people, uh, getting in trouble because I'm arguing people, cops getting called because stuff would get violent but it would get violent because whatever happened in that moment it just pulled everything that i was going through to the surface so it's not physically i'm not mad at you i'm really mad about what's going on and that simple gesture that you did just kind of spiked everything so if you do see somebody with like i I call it added added aggression because you have aggression then you have added aggression Mm -hmm. and so when you have somebody with added aggression which means they get mad pretty quick and it seems like it's for no reason. Try to figure out what's really going on because mm-hmm. they might not be mad at you. They might be going through something. And I only know that because when I was going through things, I would just get mad at people. Even people that was just trying to talk to me, just get pissed off. Like to the point, it's like, why are you talking to me? Like, I only want to talk to you right now. You see it, man. It's mm-hmm. pretty common. You know, I've said it probably five, six, seven times on the podcast, but when somebody's rude to me or mm-hmm. mad, mad, and I don't even know who they are, whatever. My default is, man, you must be hurting. Mm-hmm. You know, you must be going through something. Yeah. Uh, if you have that empathy to people, I think that's huge. It's so easy to somebody messes with you, or whatever. You get mad at them, whatever. Man, you know, be the bigger person. That's and it's hard to be the bigger person mm-hmm. all the time. But just like you said, that's a real thing. I think the men just bottle stuff in, dude. And it's going to come out. You got to you gotta express it, yeah. you know, and it comes out as anger. Mm-hmm. We see women abuse. We see a lot of stuff. All that is bottled up stuff exactly. that people aren't dealing with. You got to face yourself in the mirror. And what I want to say is the only way to get through mental health stuff is directly through. Mm-hmm. You know, you can try to evade it. Um, but I think people, like you said, you went through depressive uh, stages. Mm-hmm. It's almost like mental health now, me as a clinician, we, we have to diagnose like you have depression, you are depression. Mm-hmm. Like that is what you are. You are anxiety. Yeah, no, you you right. have these things. Maybe it's a season of life. Maybe it's just something you're going through. That is not who you are. Exactly. But I think the medical system that I've seen through the years, it's like we want to fix everything. We want to fix it. 
So just saying somebody has depression, mm-hmm. you have this, you are this, it's done. We know what it is. They're this, they're, th- and we try to categorize. Yeah. But mental health is so much more of a complex thing than I think a lot of people realize. Yeah, for sure. It definitely is. And just the stuff that it brings with it is hard in itself. Mm-hmm. Like not just the, like, yeah, you got the mental health aspect, but I think it's the knowing like, oh, I am depressed. Like that's a big burden in itself. Yeah. So just hearing that you are depressed or somebody asking you, are you depressed? Like it just brings its own little heat to it too. Well, you try to kind of deny it mm-hmm. too. It's like, you don't want to accept that, exactly. that you're going through a hard time and all that. Cause that's vulnerability, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of men, they don't even know how to feel that, uh-uh. you know, it makes them <laughs> uncomfortable and all that, but uh, being vulnerable and accepting what is living in reality, you know, that's it. Like you said, I want to say this too. Our brains are here to keep us safe. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. So like you said, the thoughts, you'd have thoughts. That's normal. Mm -hmm. I mean, people have weird thoughts. I do every day. It's like that. That was weird. I get curious about that. I'm like, why was I thinking that? Mm -hmm. You know, that's kind of strange. That is not me. That's not who I am. That's not what I believe. That's not what whatever thoughts are random. Uh, You can really go down a rabbit hole if you hold on to some of those thoughts and all that. And I think a lot of men struggle with that. They have weird thoughts, random thoughts, bad thoughts. And they just go down a rabbit hole and it's hard to get out of that. Yeah. And I think that's, just, that, since we're talking about that, it's a lot of men's depression. It was really thought that was driving me into the into depression, mm-hmm. not the actual things that was happening to me in my life. Right. Not reality. Just, yes, not reality. That's it was right. just the thoughts that was doing it to me. Well, perspective is everything. Mm-hmm. You know, you can have, you, two people can look at the same thing and see two different things, yeah. right? And so that's like you said, you could see it. And that's why it's good to have men around you, mm-hmm. friends around you, people building you up and all that, like, you know, helping you, encouraging you and all that, because it's a real thing. Your perspective can be off sometimes. And I think it's important to have a good perspective and heal and, and get a, uh, get the help you need. Sometimes that's yeah. good stuff. Good stuff. They appreciate you sharing all that. That was some deep stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, does everyone have mental health struggles? There was a, a book, the battlefield of the mind, mm-hmm. uh, talks about that. Everybody has thoughts every day. Everybody struggles, but not everybody's going to say that. But every single person in this world has mental health type issues, uh, whether they get health for it or not. That's that's really up to them. Do you believe that everybody struggles with mental health or is it just some people have certain conditions and they do? Well, I feel like everybody does struggle with mental health. It's kind of I always talk about equilibrium. It's that push and pull, you know, so you just can't have a perfect life all the time. Yeah. You know, it's always ups and downs. So I do think everybody does go through depression. Everybody handles it different. Some people shrug it off and some people just really shut down. And it's those people that you think don't got depression or is battling with mental health. Those people that you ne- like, you'd be like, oh, he's never going through mental health. Those are the people that are actually going through it worse than anybody else. That's right. So. I think that everybody has, and I think it's just a, a normal thing about being a human because I mean, even animals go through mental health. We just don't know what their mental health is. But right. just like if a baby bird loses his baby, it's it's probably going to be a little hurt about it. Yeah. You know, even though that's a different animal, different uh, species, they still feel those same feelings. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just part of life. It's part of being human. You know, part Robin, Robin Williams, uh, you know, Robin Williams, mm-hmm. actor, all that. Um, I think of him, man. A lot of happy people on the outside, yeah. You know, extremely make everybody else laugh. Mm-hmm. That. You know, I mentioned this on the last episode of the podcast, but uh, you know, dealing a lot with internally, mm-hmm. dealing a lot internally, uh, mental health wise, and all that. 
It's a real thing. I think everybody does, but I think everybody has a threshold, yeah. right? Just like you said, mm-hmm. how you were raised, your personality, all this stuff. Um, maybe a lot of people can go through the same things. Everybody, like if if five people go through the same exact thing, you got mm-hmm. five different reactions, exactly. right? Uh, like if I was in the ER, you know, I've had experiences where uh, there's a patient that passes away. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the people we we go into the room, we console them and talk to them and deliver the news. Runs out yelling, all that stuff. Two, three people just sitting there quietly. One person's crying uncontrollably. You know, mm-hmm. everybody deals with things differently. Uh, and I think that goes back to the empathy thing, man. Uh, having empathy towards people. Mm-hmm. Got to put people in your shoes and kind of uh, let people experience and let people have emotional intelligence deal with things how they want to deal with it. That's one that's actually, I think, coming more to the surf- surface is. Uh, Emotional intelligence. Yeah. I think a lot of people are starting to see what that is. And, well, you don't yeah. have to run with everything. Mm-hmm. You, we can feel. And that's the thing we shouldn't, like you said, kind of, you, when somebody said you're, you must be depressed or whatever, mm-hmm. and you were, yeah. and you got defensive. Yep. Um, it's good to have that, feel that. Mm-hmm. It, it's okay to have that. You know, uh, I think trying to resist kind of what you're going through is kind of where the rub comes and the irritability and all that. You have to feel what your emotions are. They shouldn't always direct you, you yeah, know, and your true. decisions and all that. <laughs> But feel what you're feeling and uh, be emotional intelligently about it. Yeah. Heck yeah. That's good right there. That's it. Uh, so getting help. Um, I'm going to put some links in the description, too, for mental health. I did in the last video, too. We kind of went in-depth on mental health. If anybody's struggling with mental health, we'll put some uh, links in the description for you to get help if you need that. But uh, weakness in getting help. I think with men, you know, it's a big thing. Uh, if you get help, you're weak. Mm-hmm. If you talk about what you're going through, you're weak. Mm-hmm. What's your opinion? I, and I think that it's changing. Yeah. I think there there is a, a, a it's kind of changing a little bit in in, uh, in uh, the human experience. What's your experience like? Well, I gotta think on that one for a second. So as far as like when it comes to men getting help, I think it's more of an ego thing, to where you know we obviously don't want to be vulnerable. We kind of said that already. Whereas it's more about being vulnerable and just opening up. That's kind of hard for men to do. Yeah. But I think getting help is not necessarily a bad thing. Like it's, I think it's a good thing because we don't open up as much. And when you do get help, you open up, you feel better. But I think our biggest thing is worrying about what the next person thinks. Yeah. You know, and that kind of what drags us from going to get help and stuff like that. I think age helps. Uh, as I've gotten older, I just, it, you know, and I, I had this conversation with my girlfriend the other day, but it's like, um, it's not that I don't care, you know, but I don't, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like I care, I care about people. I mm-hmm. care about, but when it comes down to me, you know, my mental health, who I am and all that, I kind of don't like, I have to be true to who I am, yeah. experience what I experience. And not have shame for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's important for a lot of people. But as you age, I feel like when you're younger, you're self-conscious. People, what are people thinking and all that in the social media? Yeah. That's a whole other conversation. It's made it way worse mm-hmm. uh, trying to <laughs> deliver a per- persona to people and all that. Uh, but I think it's good to live true to your your life experience and be true to yourself and uh, do your thing. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. I like that. <laughs> but yeah, if you need help, man, uh, you got to get it for sure. We're about to wrap up here. This has been awesome, dude. Heck yeah. Been awesome. <laughs> so I end with this. We'll do a little end here. We didn't even talk about women. Yeah, we did. Uh, yeah. well, well, we might have to get you back on here, though. <laughs> yeah. So 5, 10, 20 year plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, mainly talk about business, kind of life, what you, what you see life's going to be like. So kind of just uh, real swiftly, five years from now, what do you picture life being like? Uh, five years from now, I picture my life uh, just on a totally different path financially to really go enjoy the freedom of life because it's not it's not the money I'm chasing. Like I want to be rich, but when I mean rich, it's not money. It's the freedom. Yeah. Being able to travel. Like if I want to go see my mom, no questions asked. Like I'm going to see mom. Mm-hmm. And so five to 10 years, that's where I see myself at the point of financial freedom, like completely free financially. I've never have to ask questions. If I want to go somewhere, I never have to ask questions if I want to buy something. And I never have to ask a question if I want to start a business. Like That's where I see myself in five years, just really financially free. Where does your mom live? Where's My mom from? lives in Gunnersville. She's from Gat. Well, we're oh, from okay. Birmingham, but cool. uh, she lives in Gunnersville now. That's awesome, yeah. man. Cool. Cool. Yeah. It sounds like a good thing. That's a big turn in our generation. Mm. I feel like the generation before us, they're like, we want to be rich. We want to have all this stuff. I don't want a lot of stuff either. Mm. I just want to be able to have that flexibility, the yeah. financial freedom. That's mm-hmm. all. That's a big term now everybody uses just to do what you want in life and have that flexibility. Ten years from now, you're going to have some youngins? What's life looking like, man? Yeah, man. <laughs> Me and my girlfriend talk about it, you know. And uh, we only want one kid. Okay. So that's pretty smooth. You know, one kid. And I think that. It might suck for him because it's cool to have siblings. I had siblings growing up, yeah. and I've never been the only child. But yeah, you know, it's not always. There can be bad experiences. <laughs> yeah. I will say that. I will say that. So definitely, ten years from now, I just I do definitely plan to have a family and I plan to have business like this Ob One production. I plan to have it solidified, uh, full of employees. Because one of my life goals is to employ thousands of people and help thousands of people. And the way that you can't help them is employ them mm-hmm. and help them make money and help them uh, learn about passive. So I'm looking to see that Obi wan is scaled to the point where I don't have to be there anymore. And now I'm teaching everybody about business or life stuff to help them move forward as I did. So mm-hmm. that's where I see myself in 10 years, just doing that. Balling out. Yeah. 20 years from now, dude. Uh, hard to kind of picture. Yeah. I, I, in 20 years, I'll be over 50. That's ridiculous. But 20 years from now, what's like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm going to be old, dude. I already am old. I'm 31. <laughs> you made me think about I know. About it's crazy. Yeah, we'll be 46. 46. Yeah, 46 years old. What's life looking like, dude? Oh, uh, 46 years old, I'm going to be honest. I know we talked about like the money part, and but when I'm 46, I do want to have all my toys. You know, mm-hmm. that's when I want to be almost retired. To the point where I'm just traveling the world, you mm-hmm. know, having fun. About the time I'm 50, my kids should be nice and grown up and, you know, just traveling the world, seeing what God put here for us. And, yeah, cars, not many cars, but, you know, two or three cars. What's the two or three cars you want? Lay it out. Man, what, what do they say? Not manifest. <laughs> All right. Manifest what you want. So car number one is the Kinesig. I don't know if you ever know nope. the Kinesig. Not a car uh, guy, but you can talk yeah. about it. People so probably car people. Kinesig one on one. It's a beautiful car, man. It's uh the rate ratio is one on one. So uh, I can't remember the exact 
weight of the car, but it's like a thousand, thousand one hundred fifty pounds, and it also got a thousand one hundred fifty horsepower. Oh wow, that's a car, bro. And I want to take that car and go down. Uh, what is it called? The Burge, uh, the racetrack, the big racetrack. I can't remember what it's called, but it's like the burst. The something. Daytona 500. Yeah, hey, I'll swing around that boy, too. <laughs> hey, but that, that can say something different. Uh, you know, the motor's not in the front. It's in the back. Okay. It's a different car. It sits. Dude, it probably sits no higher than your table. Maybe like maybe like this high off the ground. Oh, it's wow. a low car. And my second car, believe it or not, Oh, you! All the people who hate electric about to bash me right now. Uh, I want a cyber truck. Okay, <laughs> I want a they cyber truck bad. so They're bad. Really yes. Yeah. So I want a cyber truck, and then I want a, which this might change because this might not be the car when when that time comes. But hopefully, they're still making GTRs, and it's just I had a GTR NASCAR uh, Nissan. A, yeah, Nissan, Nissan GTR. I had a, a GTR Hot Wheel. Like I was all about GTR. I got a GTR because I was all about 350Zs. And a GTR just looked like a souped up 350. Right. So I really want GTR. That's that's like my my dream car. What are the MSRP now? You said well, like what's the cost? One fifteen, one twenty. Oh really? Yeah, it's up there. Yeah, I got you. They're pretty man. Yeah, they, they are pretty. Yeah, but I think it's it's a hundred thousand dollar car. It's a six figure car. Yeah. yeah so yeah, forty six years old, you'll be balling out. Yeah. I'm good with my Toyota Tundra <laughs> F F two fifty. Yeah, I'm just not a car guy. Ooh, I like trucks though. F two fifty. Hey, hey, get a little flashy with it. Mm-hmm. No, nah, I don't really care about diesel and all. It's you know, I just I don't know. I I'm not a big car person. I want a nice car, got yeah. a truck, you know, I'm happy with it, you know. Yeah, I've always told myself I want a ten car garage and I was gonna keep at least six cars in it, but <laughs> I don't uh, know how my girlfriend who, gonna feel about who that. Said that? Was it Post Malone? I think so. Ten car garage. Uh-huh. You only got six cars. Yeah. We're gonna end on that. That's all. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna put all your links in the description if you want to check out Obi One Productions. Uh, it's gonna be in the link in the description. Got some good stuff going on, man. And uh, book this guy. He's got a lot of talent, and uh, you're gonna want it. Thank you so much, guys, for watching the podcast, The Better Man with Dr. Jared Nelson. We're on YouTube. Like, comment, subscribe to the channel. Hit that notification bell. You're going to get every single one of my videos and the shorts I post weekly, all during the week, sent directly to you. We're on every single audio podcast platform, Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts. Give us that five-star rating because we give five-star service. Thanks for watching. Until the next one, peace.